Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits. Today, I have another fantastic guest with you. Uh, Cindy O'Meara from Australia, from the Sunshine Coast, joins me today. Now, she is a celebrity nutritionist. She's an author, and she's an all-around amazing lady. Uh, I can't believe that she's actually 61 because she looks like in her 30s. She's just an incredible bundle of energy and an incredible mind of information. So I do hope you enjoy this episode that gets really into the weeds on nutrition, uh, on e-numbers, on the chemical chemicals and foods, on toxins, on things that you really, really need to know about. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Before we head over to the show, uh, just want to let you know about our Boost Camp. Now, this is not boot camp. This is Boost Camp. This is an eight-week long online webinar series that Neil and I are running from the 1st of September, and we would love you to come and join us. This program is all about you, all about upgrading your life, all about being the best version of yourself that you can be. It's about aging like a winner. It's about longevity. It's about upregulating your brain and your mind and fine-tuning yourself to being more resilient. It's about health fundamentals. It's about understanding your biology, um, understanding what types of exercise to do and when and how, understanding your own body types, understanding more about your genetics. This is a really full-on program that we'll be delivering live um, and you can join us and we would love you to do that. So what I want you to do is to head over to peakwellness.co.nz forward slash boost camp, not boot camp, boost camp, B-O-O-S-T-C-A-M-P. I'll repeat that peakwellness.co.nz forward slash boost camp and join us on this program if you didn't catch that url write to me i will send it to you immediately if you want to upregulate your life have more resilience be tougher mentally stronger have more focus have more control over your life your biology then do join us we'll be really Really stoked to have you come on board. Also, just a reminder too, we have our patron program for the podcast now is open. And this is a way for you to support this podcast. We've been going now for five and a half years. And every week I find incredible guests for you to listen to and learn from. This is like having a university in your pocket, basically, with the best professors, with the best doctors, with the best scientists, with the most elite athletes, real high performance people. And it takes an awful lot of work, I can tell you. And it's been five and a half years and I really need a bit of help to keep this on air. So we would really appreciate your support. You can join us for the price of a cup of coffee a month that really these micro commitments that people do really help the show stay on air so if you like what we're about if you like our mission if you want to support this mission on helping people take control of their health and be more in control of their life then please head on over to patron p-a-t-r-o-n.lisatarmity.com right now over to this exciting show with cindy o'meara well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Pushing the Limits. I'm super excited to have you with me again this week for another exciting installment of, of the show. And I have the lovely Cindy Omiara with me, uh, who is sitting on the Sunshine Coast in Australia. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Fantastic to have you. Now, Cindy is a celebrity nutritionist, author, 
um, runs a company called Changing Habits in Australia, which is all about educating people, from what I understand, educating people around nutrition and helping them cut through the mess of the noise that's out there and get them into the right mindset and the right uh, things to be thinking about. So today we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into nu- the world of nutrition. So Cindy, before we get underway with some topics, can you just give the listeners who don't know you um, a little bit of background about you and what you do? Sure. Um, so I, I graduated, um, well, I started my nutrition education in 1980, but I actually didn't start as a nutritionist. I was doing pre-med at the University of Colorado. And one of the subjects that I did was anthropology and I did a year of anthropology and cultural anthropology and I thought wow it was food that was really important in the survival of humans and so that we could have babies and keep going and I was really intrigued by it and I thought well I'll become a nutritionist so I came back to Australia and I uh, went to Deakin University finished my Bachelor of Science majoring in nutrition to go do dietetics and at the end I went this is nothing like what I was taught in anthropology. And so in anthropology, I was taught hunter-gatherer, agriculturalist, paleo, um, herders, real food. There was no margarine. There was no low-fat. There was no processed or ultra-processed foods. There was none of this. And this is what the dietitians were talking about. They were looking at um, more um, mechanistically at nutrition as opposed to what I was taught with culture and anthropology was to look at it very vitalistically. Mm-hmm. So I decided, well, I couldn't become a dietitian. So I went back to university to RMIT. I did two years of human anatomy. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, I cut up cadavers for two years, did all the oh, ology, pathology, embryology, histology, wow. pathology, parasitology, everything. And at the end of that, six years at uni I went I I actually know what the human body needs it needs real foods it needs what I learned in my first year of university I could have stopped going to university (laughs) and just done what I thought um and so I started to just um do consultations and I only did real foods I didn't I got them off the SAD diet which is the standard Australian diet and we could call it the Simmons diet too the standard New Zealand diet yep the standard American diet or the standard UK diet so I got them off that diet of margarine breakfast cereals low-fat milk um, bread cheese those plastic fantastic foods and got them onto real food and the results were remarkable so that was in the 80s and we now jump to 2021 40 years on and what I am seeing is a vastly different population mm-hmm. and vastly different problems that we didn't see in the 80s and and so now it's almost like we need to do very individualized nutrition because so many people have food sensitivities food allergies um, they have the antecedents of their life, so they may have been exposed to a chemical. They may have um, eaten ultra-processed foods, and so they've wrecked their gut, or, mm. or, or you know, whatever is yep. happening in their life. Antibiotics or something like that. Yep. Yeah, I only had to change their diet from the sad diet to a real food diet, and we get results. I can't do that anymore. So the thing is, is that we then have to dive deep to find out well, what is the root cause of what's happening. Um, and what is the problem? And I'm not just talking on an individual basis here. I'm talking on a global basis. 78% of the US re, um, population has a gut issue. 50, I think it's 48 to 50% of their kids 
have chronic disease, one or more. In wow. Australia, it's 38 to 40 with chronic disease. Now, when I went to school in the 60s, 2% of the whole population of Australia had a chronic disease. Wow. Now we have our kids at 38 and 40%. And New Zealand won't be any different. It'll mm-hmm. be about the same as Australia. Mm-hmm. So... And then if you get to age, to 60, the age of 60, which I am, I'm 61 this year. Wow. You look amazing. You're doing something, right? <laughs> well, this is what I do. I eat real food and I live yeah. a lifestyle the best I can. So at the age of 60, the chances of you having chronic disease, one or more, is 80%. So I'm in the wow. 20% part. Um, because I don't do what the rest of the population do. I am not a statistic because I don't do what they're doing. If you want to be a statistic, you do what everybody else is doing. If you don't want to be a statistic, you do something completely different. And that's what I learned very early on. Don't go with what everybody else is doing. Um, Do something different. And I would believe that that's you, Lisa. I am... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I have to tell you this, Lisa, like we've already had the opposite interview where I interviewed you and what you did with your mom and your book. I went through a bit of a crisis in our family and that kept, what you said kept playing in my ear. What really? You did and, and what you did, you know, you think you're doing something that should be working and your mum just stayed, you know, on that level and then she shot up. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what was happening with us. So oh, I wow. need to thank you for your incredible um, resilience, your your persistence, your <laughs> everything you did. Um, really, stubborn as hell. Stubborn as hell. <laughs> yeah, and well, I guess yeah. that's what I've always been like. But you, your words were brilliant. Thank you. And we all need um, people to come along in in. in you know, confirm that we're on the, the right track sometimes because, you know, we, we are getting bombarded with this is impossible. I mean, I've just been working with a young man today who's had a, a massive uh, brain injury and the doctors have told him, you know, he'll never talk, he'll never walk, he'll never do anything again. He's already eight months into his uh, rehabilitation. He's talking, he's starting to walk, you know, like it's just like, and I'm helping him with different things now and he, he will make a full comeback, you know, I have no doubt about it because he has a family that's behind him. He has a mum who thinks outside the box and is willing to do whatever it takes. And those are the people that will get the results. And this is why, you know, these sort of conversations are so, so crucial to have so that we start to understand. And you have the expert expertise in the area that I'm sort of, I know a little bit about, but I'm not a complete expert in nutrition side of it. So I'm really keen to dive in. And if I can help you with your family situation, please do reach out. <laughs> you know, love to I help. Might have, have a little conversation at the end of it. Yes, we will. And I actually was going to take you through the epigenetics. I've just remembered now and, and uh, go through that path with you. But I, I totally agree with you. I, what I'm seeing in our in our population now is, you know, when I was at school in the 70s, it was uh, obesity was a rare thing. You had the odd kid who was overweight. Now you look around and it's like the opposite. There's hardly any kid who's not overweight. And, and people seem to see that this is normal. Um, and, you know, if our kids are already like that and they're already developing things like prediabetes and diabetes that, that before they even reach puberty in some cases, this is like a massive warning alarm for me what's coming down the road as far as a health crisis and the cost that this is going to be on you know and human suffering but also on their society we have to start standing up and saying hey what we're doing isn't working guys and we need to make some changes so okay the real food 
is definitely where we need to be starting from and the processed foods. What is it that's in processed foods that is causing so much trouble? Because, you know, like isn't like a spaghetti bolognese sauce that I buy from Dolmio's or something, um, why is that not the same as what Grandma made when she got tomatoes out of the garden? You know, let's start there in the weeds, sort of, so, so to speak. <laughs> so in 1998, I wrote a book called Changing Habits, Changing Lives, and it was about the food industry and what food that um, they were suggesting you have for breakfast, let's say, so breakfast cereal, and then I would explain how they make it, what's put into it, what is fortification. So I'd go through that and then I'd give wow. an example of what we could have for breakfast. And since that time, I have updated that book five times yep. because the food industry is not getting better as far as our health goes, but they're getting incredibly tricky oh, yeah. with their additives and their chemicals to make you think you're eating food. So it might smell like food, look like food, taste like food, but it is no way as it food. So let me give you an example of natural vanilla flavoring. This is just one ingredient. So what they've done is that they've figured out if they genetically modify a bacteria and they put in the smell of the vanilla bean, so the smell of the vanilla bean gene into that bacteria, put it on recycled plastic as a substrate, as it's eating, it eats it, it will make natural vanilla flavouring. Oh, my God. So it's called. Really? Really? Like that's a new one on me, completely left field, and that's just one little wee tiny flavouring thing. One ingredient. Citric oh. acid, you think it comes from citrus. Yeah. They genetically modify a mould, put it on a substrate. The substrate could be animal-based, it could be plant-based, it could be plastic-based. They're getting really, you know, they're, they're figuring out that there are bacteria that will eat plastic and produce something, um, and so it produces like citric acid. Um, and a lot of our additives now are what we call synthetic biology. So they're genetically modifying microbes in order to make a vitamin, um, an amino acid, or something that's going to go into your supplements or into your food supply or your medicine. Wow. Or your vaccines. Wow. That, that, that's frightening. That's frightening what you just told me there. And I wasn't aware that that you know, to that degree, like the, the genetic modifying of our food is so, because, you know, you you know, oh, you, you stay away from genetic modified crops. Hmm. This is about as far as my knowledge goes in that direction, to be honest. So you're saying that the additives and the preservatives and the stuff that they're using in there is actually, they're doing this genetic stuff. Yeah, that, so they figured out that microbes, you know, nobody's going to care about microbes. No. Um, not like animals or, you know, rats or anything like that. So no one's going to care about microbes. And so they've figured that if they genetically modify them, they can manipulate them to do anything. In the 1990s, a Japanese company manipulated, I think it was tryptophan, um, and they used the genetic modification of uh, a microbe and um, produced tryptophan, put it in tablets, um, send it out into the market. And I think it was 150 people died and 1,500 people were injured Holy. permanently as a result of this tryptophan. So they figured out that the bug produced a toxin to protect itself from the tryptophan or something like that. So it was pulled from the market. They soon quickly figured out what was causing it, but it was all covered up. Nobody talked about it. And I think in the 90s that kind of calmed the genetic modification down. Not as many people were wanting to do it, but now it's at full surge. Um, and, you know, not everything is being made, of course, by genetic modification. Some things are being made with the 
just making a bunch of chemicals um, and putting them together. So if I was to give you a strawberry flavouring, um, strawberry flavouring can have 48 chemicals in it. But oh, all it has to say is strawberry flavouring. And if one item is natural in that 48 chemicals, it's natural strawberry flavouring, not artificial strawberry. You are kidding me. So they're just playing with these yep. names and just putting in something natural in order to make it natural. And, they're, and, oh, man. they're absolute masters at it. And people don't realise and I'm just telling you one thing that is happening. So if we take it to the genetic modification of foods such as soya and canola and sugar beet and um, cotton seed and, and things like that, if we if we go there, these are called either BT, so BT corn, which is a toxin that the corn produces. So when the bug eats it, it's a pesticide. When the bug eats it, its stomach explodes. That's still in the corn when you eat it. Oh, my God. What we're finding is that while it won't explode our stomach, what it does is it explodes the, it destroys the, the, the gut cells, which is one cell thick. Yeah. So it starts to erode them and you start to get gaps in your gut and allow proteins Leaky and gut. chemicals and things into your blood, which you don't want. You don't want that. So then the other ones are Roundup Ready. Yeah. So Roundup being a chemical that is um, that has glyphosate in it, so Roundup Ready Soya, Roundup Ready Sugar Beet, but now they're starting to realise that Roundup is not doing what it should be doing on the pet. Oh, not, it's, it's a pesticide, but it's more for um, grass and weeds and things like that. So they're finding that that's not working anymore, so now they're producing 2,4-D ready um, crops in... and um, dicamba ready crops so dicamba um came into the spotlight i think it was last year or the year before when there was a dicamba ready uh crop that was sprayed and um all the spray floated over to a i think it was a peach or pear farmer's land and killed all of his trees oh and, and he actually sued i think it was bayer or monsanto and i i'm, I'm pretty sure he's won that case <laughs> So it's this, a big giant to take on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is what is happening to our food supply. And wow. we, the Australian um, and New Zealand uh, food standards, so Food Standards Australia and New Zealand, um, have been requested by um, Queensland Agriculture for uh, Australia-wide, I don't know if they'll do it in New Zealand, but an Australia-wide food irradiation process on all fresh fruits and vegetables sold in um, the grocery stores. Now, when you do that, what it does is instead of you just kind of cleaning your lettuce and, and doing a bit of a sterilisation on it, which is what they do, whether it's organic or not, they have to sterilise it to get rid of any bacteria. So what they're now doing is they want to irradiate it because it just doesn't get rid of the surface bugs. It gets rid of the bugs that are inside the food as well. But we need those soil-based bugs. Of course. Food. They help us with our microbiome. So they're all of a sudden starting to say, we want to irradiate everything. Now, not only will they kill every bug in our food, what they will also do is that they will sterilise the seed. And so, you know, when you, on your compost heap, you throw your tomatoes in your pumpkin and, and then you've got this pumpkin growing out of your compost heap and a tomato growing out of your pumpkin or a cucumber. That won't happen. Oh, my gosh. Everything We're not going to have seed come and, and then yeah. who's going to control the seed? Collector. Um, I do my own, um, I grow my own food because um, I think we're going to get to a point where people 
are either going to have to do that or put up with what the food industry is doing. Destroy their health. Yeah, and 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 it's all ultra processed food. So the whole vegan movement, even yeah, like I can read you the ingredients of what is called Just Egg, and it's a a bunch of chemicals. It's an ultra processed food, and it is not saving the planet. In actual fact, it is the worst thing for the planet. Jeez! Oh my God! This is I'm I'm terrified now. Like I'm. I don't want to terrify you. What I want to do is make you aware of what's happening. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You go to your local farmer. You go to your local farmer's market. You support these these small-time farmers instead of Woolies or Coles or whatever you've got over there. Safeway, I forget what's in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, you will. um, You know, and all you do is that you change the way you buy your foods or where you buy your foods from because then you become an activist by yourself, you don't care about anybody else, you're an activist because you are choosing to buy from a farmer in your area and I'm sure you would have some incredible regen farmers um, in your area. Do you think they they are? Like they're not like, um, you know, how do you know that they're not using the same practices in their soils and and so on? I mean, You talk to them, they're passionate. Yeah. Go to the farmer's market and you say, do you grow your food? Yes, I do. Do you use any chemicals? No. What kind of farming do you do? Well, I actually do something called regenerative farming. Have you ever heard of that? Or I do organic farming or I do biodynamic farming. And this is how I do it. They're so passionate. They want to tell you. So um, what I do is, you know, I grow a lot, but when I'm not growing some foods, I will go to um, my farmer's markets. And I know my farmers now that are at the yeah. farmer's market. Yeah. So I I've done the hard work and um, I have something called the Nutrition Academy and it's a bunch of um, people that come and do a year with me and they become um, the people that do the research in their area and then people come to them and say, well, which farmer should I go to at this market or that farmer's market? So I want to create a groundswell of activists who say we're not eating genetically modified foods or anything made with a genetically modified bug or anything that has something ultra-processed in it. And we're not prepared to buy from the grocery stores because they can't guarantee me where this is coming from. So I will find a farmer's market and I'll support. There are so many young people that want to be farmers. All we have to do as individuals say, I'll buy a box from you, a community-supported agricultural box. I'll buy a box from you every week. Whatever you're growing, I'll buy it. And then to supplement, you go to your local organic shop, your local fruit and veggie shop, ask them the questions. It's about us becoming um, inquisitive. And that's what you you do this, Lisa. You're inquisitive. You went, they're telling me my mum's going to be like that for the rest of her life. No, surely there's something out there. I'll just go in and there is. What is happening? Medicine's not working. They're telling me nothing's going to happen. So I'm going to go and inquire with other people. And that's what I ask people to do with their food supply is to inquire. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not obvious. Like like I know I've looked locally and I've just found one recently who's delivering at certain times of the, you know, a couple of times a week, you know, you have to get to, you know, and you're like, ah, but at least I found somebody now. But it's, you know, it's always out of your way and it's extra work and, you you know, you're busy and you're whatever. 
Um, and there isn't a lot of farmers markets in our, in our area. Like there isn't, um, and I've been looking into a couple of farms here and then they find out, well, actually they're not organic, organic, uh, even though they, they you know, say that, but their seeds aren't and, you know, there's certain practices. So there's, there is these like little problems, especially when you live in a rural area and there's not necessarily a bigger, you know, um, place where these people can congregate. But um, now knowing a little bit, a little bit more, um, time to dig deeper. <laughs> time to really put more effort into it. Yeah, there will be somebody in your area because yeah. there's farmers everywhere that um, that they would love farming and they would love to be able to sell their produce. Like, if we take it a step by step and we do it like this, so let's say you're on the sad diet, the standard Australian New Zealand diet. Let's just say you're on that. If you go from that sad diet and you just go to the fruit and veggie, meat, dairy section of your grocery store that's a really good start that's Mm -hmm. a great start so then once that's in your life then you go well I want a better quality fruit and veg and meat maybe or dairy you know because there's that many dairy farms and and lamb and and everything in, in New Zealand so you go well I want a better quality this where can I find somebody in my area so it might be six months after you've gone from the sad diet to you know, at least eating fruits, vegetables, meats and making your own food, that you go, I want better quality. Then you go and seek out maybe a butcher that's doing the right thing or a, a fruit stand that's doing the right thing. So don't think you have to jump immediately. That's why I wrote Changing Love Our Lives. It's like, let's start with breakfast. Then let's do salt. Then let's do dairy. Then let's do um, grains. Then let's do nuts. Then let's do seeds. Let's do chocolate. Let's do. So it's a 52 week um, one thing you change a week. Or if you if it takes you longer than a week to change, then that's fine. Three weeks. But you're on that. Imagine when you start where you will be in one year. Absolutely. It's the same with exercise. It's the same with everything, isn't it? Just taking it, you don't have to jump right in at the the elite end just start with one change a week that that just makes so much sense and just you know putting in a bit more effort to find things and do things and and maybe start growing off I started growing my own vegetables (laughs) not having much success (laughs) but um greens in New Zealand grow incredibly so it's about for most people (laughs) herbs and greens because herbs are like a weed yes yeah yeah we've got we've got some of those going and it's just making the time to do that and to to prioritize this because it's you know I think um you know I've definitely been aware of the whole processed food so you know you stay away from the obvious things but you've just taken it to another level as far as the the genetically modified stuff and the the that's that's completely new to me. So that's um, really important. But starting where you're at and improving it every week and just taking on a little bit because I'm a big fan of that and everything in life because everything can be overwhelming. And then you, if you get overwhelmed, then you tend to do nothing, you know. And it's better to be walking for five minutes a day than to be doing no minutes a day. And it's better to be you know, getting good fruits and veggies and later on you'll work on the other pieces. That just makes a whole lot of sense. So, and that is a pro, is that a program too that you have as an educational online content type of thing as well? 
it's in my book. So we renamed Changing Habits, Changing Lab, <laughs> Changing Habits, Changing Lives to Lab to Table because that's what it is at the moment. It's lab, wow, lab to table. So we'll put the and, links and stuff. And in stop there. being a lab rat and start making better choices for your table. And that's on Audible as well, so people can listen to it and just listen to one chapter and go right. That's what I'm going to do. Um, and they can jump. They can go anywhere they want. They can start with chocolate if they really want to, you know, and just see, well, where can I buy good quality chocolate that's got no emulsifiers? So an emulsifier is in most chocolate and emulsifiers kill the bacteria that makes the layer that protects you from the outside world in your gut. So even that little thing that you do by looking at a chocolate that doesn't have a lecithin, it's called soya lecithin or um, sunflower lecithin or something that's an emulsifier even if it doesn't have that so I teach you how to how to find a good quality chocolate you can wow. start there if that's where you want to start you know mm-hmm. so, well chocolate's important so that's a good place white salt out and getting some good salt that's not refined hasn't got anti-caking agents in it doesn't have free-flowing agent in it they don't you don't realize it because nobody reads their salt packet they don't no. read the ingredients. So I just tell you, this is what's on it. Go to your pantry, have a look. If you don't believe me, go to your pantry, have a look at what they put in. Um, and they'll have potassium iodate in there as well because that's the chemical form of iodine. But you want natural iodine. So natural iodine is seaweed, and New Zealand's got heaps of seaweed, you know. just mm-hmm. uh, What I do is I make up a salt with seaweed in it, and it's called seaweed salt. Mm-hmm. And that's on the Changing Habits website. And we do have a Changing Habits New Zealand website. So you can purchase it and um, and get it delivered to you, not via Australia, but New Zealand. So I think it's changinghabits.co.nz. Yeah, usually. It's that. Okay, well, get, I'll get my team to. But mine is .com.au. Um, and we have one of my graduates um, who runs that and and does all the deliveries and everything from New Zealand? So that was one of my gra- graduates from twelve months um, education with me. So they these people come out knowing exactly how to help people, uh, and it might be a trip to the farmers market. Um, it might be coming into your pantry and going through your pantry. So I can go into someone's pantry and I can pull ten things out. And let's say one is barbecue sauce, another one's tomato sauce, another one's hot chili sauce, another one. So I'll pull out all the sauces. And all the sauces will have tomato as their base. All of the sauces will have a citric or a, a, an acidity regulator, so citric acid. All of the sauces will have a flavour, a sweetener. Um, and so the flavour is what makes the difference. It's not how you used to make, you know, chili sauces or tomato sauces or barbecue sauces. This is... Uh, an industry that has a base and then they just put a different flavour in. The sweetener might be a little bit different. The acidity regulator might be acetic acid or it could be citric acid or it could be something else. And basically you are looking at eating the same thing just with a different flavour and a different texture. So I would have thought, I didn't know that citric acid, for example, was a bad thing, you know, because I thought that, you know, because you're not educated in this area specifically, you don't know that some of the things that sounds like potassium iodine, you know, that sounds like a natural thing. And so being able to decode this, and, and I bet they do that partly differently too, so that you actually think it's something natural. You know, like in the industry, it's called clean labeling. So, (laughs) like me, got smart. We didn't want to eat BHA and BHT. We don't want to eat MSG. We we got smart, and so we would look on the label and it had that. We'd say no. 
So what they've done is they've renamed these. Mm. So BHA and BHT is called rosemary extract. Really? Yeah. And so you're just you're just you 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 just have no show unless you really spend some time educating yourself. Exactly. And that's what I, do. I read all the patents. Yeah. So what they've wow. done with rosemary extract is yes, it started with rosemary, but they pulled out one chemical out of the rosemary bark and rosemary leaf. And then with that, they do all sorts of processes to it and it ends up as an antioxidant, a synthetic antioxidant in my way of thinking. But because it's an extract from rosemary, they call it rosemary extract and you go, oh, it's just rosemary extract, you know. Yeah, yeah well, that's, yeah. And then you know. uh, yeast extract. You think, oh, it's yeast extract, but it's MSG. So what they've done is they've renamed. So natural flavouring is the same as artificial flavouring. They've just added one little natural chemical in there. Well, like a extract it is that they've put in there. You might read turmeric, curcumin. Everyone thinks, yeah. oh, curcumin. 75% of all curcumin is made in the laboratory. It's not extracted from turmeric. And, oh, my God. And so the, most of the population don't know what's happening. And that's why I go, just stop buying packaged foods. You've got, And you do have to make things from scratch or you have to buy it. Um, with somebody that you um, trust. So it's about reading the ingredients and making sure there's no extracts and acids and flavours and colours and sweeteners and you just got to go. If it said tomato, onion, chilli, sugar, salt, I'd be happy. I don't have a problem with sugar. I have a problem with all the other crap. They're yeah. blaming sugar um, and I don't mean lots of, of sugar. I'd like yes. to see rapidura sugar. But they're blaming sugar on what I believe is a vegetable oil problem yep. and all these Agreement. additives. Yeah. Just interrupting the program briefly to let you know that we have a new patron program for the podcast. Now, if you enjoy pushing the limits, if you get great value out of it, we would love you to come and join our patron membership program. We've been doing this now for five and a half years and we need your help to keep it on air. It's been a public service free for everybody and we want to keep it that way. But to do that, we need like-minded souls who are on this mission with us to help us out. So if you're interested in becoming a patron for Pushing the Limits podcast, then check out everything on patron.lisatarmaty.com. That's P-A-T-R-O-N dot lisatarmaty.com. We have two patron levels to choose from. You can do it for as little as $7 a month, New Zealand, or $15 a month if you really want to support us. So we, we are grateful if you do. There are so many membership benefits you're going to get if you join us. Everything from workbooks for all the podcasts, the strength guide for runners, uh, the power to vote on future episodes, uh, webinars that we're going to be holding, all of my documentaries, and much, much more. So check out all the details, patron.lisatarmaty.com, and thanks very much for joining us. One of the things that we do know about this genetic modification that's happening at the moment in the microbes is that there's a disease out there called Morgellons disease. Mm -hmm. You can look it up. Um, and at first the doctors just thought that everybody was a little bit weird and psychotic in a way. They just thought it was a mental illness. <laughs> um, but what would happen is that, like, on the a cup would come here and you'd get a pink and an orange and a yellow and a red fibre that would just come out of your mouth or... It might happen here or wherever you got a cut, there would be these mic these um, fibres 
colourful fibres. And so the doctors all said, oh, you've just been rubbing on carpet. You just, you've got um, Munchausen's disease or whatever, whatever that, you know, or you're a hypochondriac, you know. But what they're really beginning to realise is that some of these microbes, now these are microbes that make fibres. They're associating these microbes with this disease that has gotten into our microbiome. And, And as a result, they make the that's their job, which to make fibers. So I kind of figure if I'm going to eat natural vanilla, if that bug that makes natural vanilla um, flavor, does that mean my poo's going to smell like vanilla? You know, like <laughs> I just wonder. <laughs> and, and I make a joke of that, but in actual fact, it's it's no joke. No, and they are playing with nature, and so I choose not to support them in any mm-hmm. way. No. Wow. Way. And that takes a huge commitment, but that's a, 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 a that's where we need to be heading towards. And like you say, one step at a time. Just one step at a time. And if in a year you're doing that, or even two years, it's better than if for the next 30 years or three decades you've not changed and you have Morgellons disease or um, you're scared of a virus called COVID. Um, yeah. Or it's actually called SARS-CoV-2. COVID-19 is the disease. Yeah. You know, our body has the ability to fight but if we do not feed it the right ingredients if we do not give it the lifestyle it needs such as exercises you do running and yoga and if we don't give it sunshine if we don't give it love and connection if we don't um, breathe properly and um, sleep then we are going to be in trouble and we will become vulnerable to SARS-CoV-2 or whatever else comes along yep we can't be scared of an invisible thing yeah, and this is, I mean, this is, you know, those are all my wheelhouse and that's what I'm, you know, like always preaching on every week is, you know, one of these health fundamentals that if we, you know, in relation to this latest virus, you know, if we were just focusing on building our immune system and eating healthier and doing more exercise and things, we'd actually be at least better off, even if we did manage to, you know, unfortunately contract it. And you know what, it's in this whole journey that I've been on the last five years and listening to, you know, I've had hundreds of doctors, scientists, experts like yourself sharing their corner of the world's knowledge. And I have absolutely no faith anymore in the authorities. Well, to be honest, I have no faith in the standard of medical care. I have no faith in the, even like, you know, like clinical evidence can be manipulated and pushed in a certain way to make something look like it's good and it's safe. And then you look at a lot of the clinical studies that have got been funded by the industry that's promoting it, and you have to ask yourself, like, how independent was that? Um, and there's just there's just holes all over the place. And what I think you and I are, you know, with our different expertises and trying to do is to get people just to question, just to not take whatever is being thrown at you propaganda-wise or whatever, and to actually question, do the research yourself, start to look at it. And it is confusing and overwhelming at times, but when you take control, and when you're faced with the big situations, like I have been in my life, unfortunately, a few times now, not just with mum's story, but I've, you know, I've had to face and work things out and, you know, like if, if it was up to the doctors, I would have no uterus. I'm about to go through IVF. I'm 52 years old. They told me four years ago, I will die if I do not have a hysterectomy because I had fibroids. Now, why did I have fibroids? Probably because I was on the pill for 30 years, but that's another story. 
I refused to have my uterus taken out because I believed there was another way. It took me a year to work it out, but I found a way. I found another doctor who worked out exactly which of the fibroids it was. It was a 10-minute operation. That was gone. That was a year of suffering, bleeding, anemia, blood transfusions every week. But I refused to have the hysterectomy because I wanted to preserve the, the chance to have a child. And now I'm 52 and I'm able to go through and I don't have it. I didn't die and I've still got my uterus. You know, this is just, an, I don't even shared that story, but, you know, like these are the things we have to question. We we just whip things out and we are just given a white little pill and that's going to make all things better and go away. And I'm sorry, it's not how biology works. And it takes time and it takes effort and it takes grind and it takes research. But if you're willing to do that, you're going to end up looking, you know, like you do at 60. 61, you know, and not um, like most people, you know, who have autoimmune diseases, who have diabetes, who have heart disease, have, have all of the, you know, horrible things that happen to us. If we can prevent some people going down that path, then, you know, our, our jobs, it's worth doing, you know. And if we can help one person who's listening to this just to, just to open their eyes and you've certainly opened my eyes today and I thought I knew a lot but I don't I don't know enough I don't know enough and this is why I spend like hours every you know every day studying every day is a study day every day is a learning day every day is a day when I get to connect with amazing people like you that can share another piece of insight that I'm like wow that's terrifying but okay let's do something about it you know sorry I got on my soapbox no no you did you did brilliantly because this is what's happening is that there 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 will be people like you that are proactive in your health and then there'll be people who don't want to change they'll go get their uterus out they'll take that pill they'll never eat the right foods and that's okay we can't help them but there is a group in the middle that are um inquiring and questioning and saying there's got to be a better way I just don't know where it is how do I find it and so they're the people that I hope to get to because people like you are proactive you're already doing it you don't need me but it's the people in the middle that are going I know there's a better way I know I can do this but I don't know where to go and I can't I can't find it and then they get this aha and from that aha, they change their ways from the sad diet to a different diet. And once they start to feel better, then they go and they start exercising or they may exercise first and then decide on their food. And then there's this unbelievable effect that happens. And then they become vocal <laughs> with their family and friends. And 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 that's that's what we want is that we need out there being vocal. And it's all right. There will be people that don't want to change. And I don't want to even change them. That's just not my market. It's not my people. But I am I'm here for the people who go, oh, I want to know more. How do I how do I learn more? And, and that's why I guess changing habits is really more education, even though we do programs and protocols and we've got food. My main thing is to educate you, is to get you on a program or a protocol and then go, now that you've done that and you're feeling better. What are the things that you need to learn in order for you to progress as opposed to degress? And if you think that you can come on a program or program with me and go back to your old ways and still feel amazing, you're delusional. Mm -hmm. You cannot go back. 
you have to keep going. And so my thing is, is if you're coming on that journey with me, please be prepared to be on this and to make major changes in your life that are sustainable and for the rest of your life. And it's not the one big thing we do once a year that makes the difference. It's those little things that we do every single day, like the five minutes of walking, the, the banana instead of the chocolate bar, you know, or, or better quality chocolate instead of the chocolate bar because they're all shit. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to find some good chocolate. You have done a terrible job of making chocolate. You <laughs> bastardized the whole thing. Oh, wow. Um, Okay. So yeah, so this is this is what I what I want to achieve. And the more people that are awoken, the less will have chronic disease and the less will be vulnerable to whatever comes along. Yep. So we know by the statistics that have happened in the last 16 months that the people that are vulnerable to SARS-CoV-2 are those with chronic disease. Mm-hmm. People like you, people like me, we're not even we don't even there's not even a death rate amongst us. It just doesn't happen. Um, but it does with people with chronic disease. And it's not the age group, it's your health. And yet they're putting us into age groups because that's statistics. Well, what happens at age? You get all these diseases because you've been doing all this stuff for so long, you know. And there is a, you know, there's genetic components to it and and, and, and pieces of the puzzle, you know, like I, because I study genetics and I know that I actually have a, um, I'm missing one of the genes for respiratory uh, protection. So I'm actually in a higher risk category. But I can know that, and I can still like that. I can take my vitamin Ds and and you know my magnesiums and my things that I you know what whatever's going to help me be healthier, um, and then be be armed. I mean, my house is full of biohacking gadgets, machines, things. <laughs> you know, there's a half barrack standing behind me. You know, I'm ready. I'm ready for a battle, <laughs> you know, because I know that I can still go down because I have a genetic predisposition to certain things. However, you know, like I was an asthmatic as a, as a, as a kid, severe asthmatic, in and out of uh, hospital, you know, all my childhood. Um, but because I now have my inflammation in my body under control, I don't have asthma anymore. You know, and we didn't we didn't know that when I was a child what it was caused what was causing it. We cut out dairy, but that was about it. My parents didn't know what else. You know, things like gluten that weren't talked about back then, or um, you know, and we lived next door to an orchard that was spraying everything everywhere, and you know, um, so so goodness knows. But now I, I I don't have a problem with asthma. Now is that because I've changed my diet, my lifestyle, and all that sort of thing? Yeah, probably because I am missing that gene completely. So I have no sort of respiratory protection so I am more prone to that you know so it's just there's 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 different aspects that we need to be aware of and um you know one of the biggest I think you know things something that I'm big on is stress management because stress is definitely going to and this is something that I battle with personally because I'm so driven and mission orientated it's very hard not to have a a high level of stress you know when you're you're um, operating so anything that I can do to lower my stress levels while still operating at a really high performance level I'm into you know and that's the the breath work that's the meditation that's the getting the sunshine that's having my little breaks it's having my social time all of those things that I've had to learn to prioritize along the way as well um yeah but again I'm getting off topic <laughs> oh I've just lost your I muted myself <laughs> in the background um you're saying the right thing 
um, and it and we do know, and you've already mentioned, and, and that's epigenetics. So what is happening above the gene that turns the gene on or off? There's mm-hmm. also nutrigenomics. Yeah. What is the food that turns a gene on and off? There's also metabologenomics, which is what are the metabolites that are made by your microbiome, which you are 90% genetically microbiome. Mm-hmm. What are the metabolites that are being made by the microbiome that are turning my genes off? What is the, like in nutrigenomics, I love it because we know that when we go into a state of ketosis, that we're not only changing the metabolism of the brain and how what energy the body uses, but we're actually affecting genes being turned on and off from glutamate to GABA from, you know, so these are the things that we are affecting as a result of just manipulating food. That's yeah. nutrigenomics. Now we we'll manipulate what's happening in our body um, with as far as the, the microbiome. If you go for a walk in the woods and you come against some spore-based bacteria, so such as bacillus, though you will breathe it in, you will touch it because you touched a tree or a rock or you've dug down into the dirt for some reason or whatever, you've, you, you will get this. And it has the ability to increase your good bacteria in your microbiome. Wow, really? It's and, and awesome. And decrease the bad bacteria. This is going out into nature. We've we've shown this. If you go gardening in a really good soil, you'll um, pick up a certain soil-based bacteria that actually improves your serotonin and will give you a feeling of calm and helps in mental illness. There's psychobiotics out there that we know that certain ones improve serotonin, some improve dopamine, others GABA, others noradrenaline. Wow. So we have this thing called metabologenomics now where it switches. You're not going down the excitatory path um, of glutamine, but you're going down the calming path of GABA just by manipulating your microbes. And that is nature, breathing, as, you know, both you and I love our breath work. Mm -hmm. Sunshine does it. So we are giving our evolutionary body the ingredients it needs to be the best. When you do not do this and you stay in a city, you never get out into nature, you don't see the sunshine, you've got screen on, you've lost those ingredients that the body has had cues for for 400,000 plus years. And we're not we're not a modern body, we're still evolutionary. No, and our DNA is old. No. We'll never survive on the lifestyle that this modern world is giving us. We we can still live in a modern world, don't get me wrong. But we have to let the body know that it can have these other ingredients. So hiking, you know, like it's one of my favourite things to do is put a backpack on and go hiking for five, six days where nobody sees me, no Wi-Fi, you know. And if that's not your bag, go out for the day. Get Go into a park. Go to, if you're in Auckland, you know, go to, um, what's that beautiful, Cornwall Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just somewhere. The cows are and the sheep and, you know, just go breathe that beautiful old trees in and you know this is is just you know so basic isn't it yeah and this is why you know like when I I I, you know lost my dad recently and people know the story a little bit but he was 81 years old my my dad was unfortunately a smoker and that's what got him and I could never stop him smoking and that's what you know ended up being his demise but he was every day all day in the garden 
out in the sunshine working physically hard and he was 81 years old and apart from what happened to him which was an aneurysm in the stomach and so he had atherosclerosis from the smoking but he was powerful strong he was he was exhausted at the end of the day would sleep fine he had a natural uh rhythm to his life get up work hard eat probably too much and not always the best things, smoke way too much. But he had this natural rhythm and he worked all day and he was in the garden all day and his hands were always dirty and his feet were always planted on the ground. And I really think that's why he got to 81, you know, despite having smoked for 55 years, which is a disaster, obviously. But And and he probably would have carried on for another, you know, 20 or 30 if he hadn't had that unfortunate thing because he lived in this natural rhythm and he was strong, powerful, and fit, despite all of the, you know, the stuff that he was doing wrong. But just that natural rhythm, I, I saw this, and I, you know, I was like, wow. And we and are artificially, you know, stuck indoors, stuck sitting, stuck in front of screens. We need to make time to go out, have that sunshine, get that vitamin D, do in in the, you know, this is science now. Like a lot of the stuff that you know, ancient traditions were telling us to do and everyone went, well, that's all woo-woo and hairy-fairy and there's no proof. Well, now science is starting to bring this proof out and that's really exciting for me because then we start to see, aha, these guys were right. There is pressure points and there is um, negative and positive ionisation and there is, you know, all of these things that, that people have known for centuries and, you know, millennia sometimes. And our old DNA just cannot survive if we are only in this artificial environment. We're not going to do well. We're going to be going backwards in our longevity when we actually should be going forward. We've gone forward up until now because we've had incredible, you know, surgeries and people know about germs and we, you know, we've done some brilliant things. But if we can combine that knowledge of nature and our ancient DNA and anthropology and all of that sort of stuff, and then combine it with the knowledge that we have today, there's the power. Because mm. I, I truly think that within the next 20 years, we're going to be seeing people living, you know, much longer lives. Like I don't think that you are going to retire anytime soon like you're, you know, your average 60-year-old would have done 20 years ago. Now that's lifting up, right? And then by the time you are ready to retire, it will probably be 150, you know, because – that's what's coming at us. The change that's coming is just phenomenal if we can keep ourselves well enough in the meantime to benefit from all this knowledge that's coming down the line. Yeah, and the the longevity is important, but the wellness is also important, as you said, because mm-hmm. most people spend 15 years of their life, and that's the last 15 years of their life, in a chronic condition or with some disability of some sort. So if we can change that by what, what we're doing and you know we've seen ancient cultures and it has shown that these ancient cultures as long as they got past the age of five they could live to 100 110 120 they were the body is able to do that it's just that um at back in those days the, the problem was pregnancy right through to the age of five but once you got past that your, your ability to get to 100 was there. And we are now past that point. You know, we can get most people past the age of five, although in chronic condition. And that's what's scary is that 
they're going to have that chronic condition and they're going to be beholden to the drug companies and beholden to the medical profession for the rest of their lives. And I don't have a problem with the medical profession and the medications that are used because they are life-saving at times. But what's happened is that mechanism, which is you have a heart problem, go to your cardiologist, let's not look at your gut or your living or your son or anything like that. Let's just check out your heart. Oh, you've got this, take that drug, you know. So that mechanism has taken over from the vitalism, which is, hey, let's check your whole lifestyle out. Let's see what you're doing, what you're eating, your son, your connections, everything like that. Let's start changing that before we need to go down the route of mechanism. And vitalism is prevention. But where mechanism is needed is when, like, let's just say you've been in a car accident, you've broken a leg, yeah. get to hospital. You don't want yeah. them asking you about your lifestyle. <laughs> fix your leg. Yeah. Okay. So they're both important. It's just that mechanism has taken over yeah. from this very natural, holistic, vitalistic way of living. And if we go back to that, then the need for emergency care is going to get less and less or chronic diseases. Yeah. We'll have acute problems that, you know, we might need um, something or another. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. And I think this is where I'd love to see the narrative go at the moment. And I'm watching your prime minister as well as my prime minister. They've not said a thing about this. All they're doing is social distance, lockdowns, masks that don't work, the vaccine. That's the narrative. What happened? What 15 months ago? Just imagine this. That both our prime ministers said, right, we're shutting down McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken, all foods that have got crap in them. We're stopping the genetic modification of any food coming into our country because you're lucky you don't grow genetically modified foods. Yep. We're stop all of that. We're going to give you the time to go out and exercise and to give you money to go out and do this and get sunshine, blah, 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 blah. If they'd done that, can you imagine the state of health in New Zealand and Australia at the moment? Oh, yes, it would, be it would not incredible. be. Incredible. <laughs> that would not be appropriate. <laughs> you would be pissing off a lot of uh, big companies. And this is what, you know, people need to understand. Like we seem to think... And like, you know, don't get me wrong, I have a lot of, of, of fantastic doctors and things and scientists and things that I work with who I love and we need doctors and so on. But the narrative is that they have all of the answers and that they are the only people that have the answers. And that is necessarily the truth. And there are big powers at play. And I'm going to sound like a conspiracy theorist when I say that, and that's a word that people use in order to label you and discredit you. But let's look at the, what the, is actually going on. Like, I mean, in, in this case with the, the vaccine, and I don't want it to go into whether we should do it or shouldn't do it, but do you understand the forces behind this, the money that's involved in this? You know, if I, we can't, if if I go to a used car salesman, he's going to sell me that car and tell me the best things of it because he's got a vested interest in it. And the pharmaceutical companies have a vested interest in promoting their products. And this is not to say whether this right or wrong. Make your you know your own decisions. I'm doing certainly doing my research. I certainly have my own belief system. But I know that if I talk too much about what I think then I'm going to get taken off air for starters because the censorship is real. And then the second thing is that there is big, powerful forces at play here. And it's not even like, um, 
you know, our government sitting there and deciding to do evil things. It's just the me- the power and the mechanism behind it and the way institutions are set up and the way it's all set up that is leading to some really, really scary things happening out there, you know, without going into the weeds on it too much. <laughs> and when you say conspiracy theorists, it's just you live in a different paradigm. Mm. So your paradigm is about questioning. It's about being inquisitive. It's about um, you know that food and sunshine and vitamin D and all of those things are important for your health. Whereas you, the, the, what we've been taught for the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years on ta- television advertising is this. If you're not feeling well, take a pill. Keep marching on. Don't stay at home. You can do this. Life's too short. Let's do this, you know. So that's been what people have been taught. And now they're saying the exact opposite. They're going, if you're not well, stay home. So how, which one do we go with, you know? And so it's a, I think when you're in the paradigm of empowerment as opposed to the paradigm of non-empowerment, which is my belief is what's happening at the moment is that most people feel very unempowered and they're scared of a virus that's invisible and they're listening to their government rather than going, hang on, something's a bit fishy here. If ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine have proven to work, why do we need 7 billion people with a vaccine? Mm -hmm. Why does somebody who has a 0.0% 0.5% chance of dying from coronavirus, which is our young people. Yeah. Why, why is this experimental vaccine being pushed on them? Absolutely. And it, when you live in the paradigm of questioning as opposed to the paradigm of trusting, you know, trust is important at times and hope and faith and all of those things. But if you are putting your faith into what is happening out there at the moment, I, I, I really feel there's going to be some regrets. Yes, so do I, and I'm terrified. We're already seeing, you know, like in Europe at the moment, I think I saw the death tally from the vaccine alone is twelve to 16,000. I I just saw it last night. And And that's not reported correctly, of course. No, and they say that's 1% of what's really happening. In America, it's around 12. In Australia, it's... What's the number in Australia? Was it like uh, four, five hundred? But that's the death. That's not hospitalizations. That's not anything like that. And that's not long term situation. We don't even know the the autoimmune or anything. It's a completely experimental thing. I don't want to be part of that experiment, just like I'm not going to be part of the food industry's experiment or some drug industry experiment. I'm going to choose and be empowered, inquire, decide my fate. And if I've done the wrong thing, then that's my fault. Not I'm not going to blame anybody yeah. else. That's my fault that I yeah. have made this decision. And yeah, I, I, I have, I'm trying to get Robert Malone on. Um, he's uh, on the podcast. Uh, I'll have to send you a link to a to a um, interview with Robert Malone and um, Brett Weinstein and another guy, Steve Kirsch, I think his name was. Um, uh, and it's all around the whole ivermectin, fluvoxetine. Um, this guy was the, the creator of mRNA vaccines. Like he knows. He, he was the, the dude who created the technology and he's going, don't do it. You know, so um, you, 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 this is a guy who, who who advises the FDA, who is telling the FDA that this spike protein is alive. It's biologically active and so on and so forth. I mean, all I can say, people, is please do your homework. I'm not going to tell you which way, you know, just 
do your homework. And I've seen the censorship that's going on. They're censored. So yeah, homework, you can't see things unless you are directly linked with them. So you're going out doing your homework and they're all being censored. Even there's medical doctors, scientists that are going, hang on, something happening here. Even the the vice president of Pfizer, the ex-vice president of Pfizer, is questioning what is happening. Wow. Brilliant interview with Del Bigtree. Um, that's worth listening to and he's just going I loved working with Pfizer this is what we did but what's happening now I'm really concerned about and um, he just goes through the whole thing as it unfolded for him as an ex-vice president and a wise scientist you know he's a scientist yeah so uh, these are not people that you want to ignore we have to question everything we have to question our food supply and that's where I guess we started was it's really important that you realise that those who control food control the people. And if you want to be in control of yourself, you need to be the controller of where your food is coming from. Be very particular about who's growing your food, where it's coming from. Is there terminated seed technology in the food that you're consuming? Are you consuming genetically modified um, grown products and genetically modified like synthetic biology products? So once you're aware of it, you can never unknow this. And then you become very aware of it. And then you start to go, um, I'm not going to be part of that experiment. We Like Magellan's is a perfect example. Perfect example. What, what happens when that natural vanilla flavoring microbe comes out of the citric acid? Does it mean we become more acidic? I don't know. I don't know. And they don't know either. No, and they don't know either. They don't know either. We have to become strong with our microbiome um, so that our microbiome um, can resist these bacteria. And I think that that's our only hope. Being 10% human and 90% microbe, you have to protect your microbes. All safety assessment on all chemicals, all food additives are only done on the million cells, not on the microbes. Mm-hmm. Now, that safety assessment started in 1987. We know better. We should be changing safety assessment of chemicals. Yep. Glyphosate is a really good example. Yeah, it's horrific. One. Just one is a really good example. It's a patented antibiotic. If it's in your food supply, if it's if you're breathing it in, if um, you're using it in any way, and there are 95 registered products in New Zealand, 596 registered products in Australia. Wow. So if you're using one of them with glyphosate, mm-hmm. then you need to dispose of it the way what I would do is I would put it into a plastic bottle I put the lid on it and I'd get rid of it some way that it could not be punctured because plastic it's going to be there for thousands and thousands of years Mm. um that was a selling in our local hardware stores everywhere you know people are still using Roundup in their own gardens you know, and it's just, and, and have no idea what it's doing to our microbiome and destroying us. It is killing us in our food supply. You yeah. know, it's, it's right throughout. And it's that's really frightening because sometimes you can't even not have glyphosate. I had Dr. David Minkoff on the show and he said he's been testing every one of his patients for the last 20 years. If they have glyphosate poison, he's yet to find somebody who hasn't. You know, that's pretty horrific. Um, and our vitamin D statistics are going down, and he believes his hypothesis is that glyphosate is one of the reasons that we're not, pro, you know, um, uh, processing our vitamin D or converting our vitamin D properly anymore, and that that's why that's going down um, quite strongly as well. Um, yeah, so we don't know exactly, but and mental illness is increasing because the bugs that it's killing 
create create our serotonin in our gut. They create the precursors. Like it's just and, and folic acid. You notice that folic acid in two thousand and nine was it nine? Yeah, two thousand and nine um, was now being fortified in our breakfast cereals and our flours because we were lacking in folic acid. Well, we've so been using glyphosate. For since the 70s, but in food since the 90s, and then in the desiccation process, which New Zealand does, I have done the research on that. So, the desiccation process means that they're anything like sweet potato, potato, um, anything that's leafy, like all grains or legumes that have been grown in, a, in New Zealand, can have um, a desiccation process done to it, which is Roundup glyphosate. So, it kills all the riffraff so that harvesting is easier. But then it goes into our food and then we eat it. And like you said, you've got a doctor that he has tested everybody and it's just like. Yeah, it's everywhere. It, you know, we're all poisoned with this stuff. And so there's lots. Yeah, so. Oh, couldn't we leave? We could. Um, we certainly need to get together on a private basis here. <laughs> but I don't want to, you know, I want to be a little bit respectful of your time and, and thank you so much for the work that you're doing and, uh, and, and, and being a part of this movement. We're part of the same force. We've got different areas of expertise and, and you've taught me an awful lot today and uh, I'm just like, well, a new direction to go in. Oh, my God, I'm going to be studying even more. Just read my book. You'll be fine. Yes, exactly. I will be reading your book. So um, tell us again the name of the book, where to get it, where to get your website, uh, you know, all the sort of stuff that we need to know. Oh, there's Lab to Table is the book. but it, There are two websites. It's Changing Habits. So it's either .co.nz or .com.au. Um, but I also have my academy, so my 12-month education course, which is the thenutrition.academy. Great. Um, if you just go to that or just look up the Nutrition Academy and make sure my name is there as well, Cindy O'Meara, you will come to that and you'll see the education that we're doing. Um, and we do have an August intake, and that August intake, it's like I, I saw what the girls put up, and like normally it's about $5,000 to do the 12-month course, mm-hmm. but an early bird special on the intake is 3300 Australian dollars. So if you've got American dollars or pounds, you're right. You're even cheaper. The <laughs> dollar and the Australian dollar are even at the moment. Uh, but this will help you go through the process of understanding an anthropological process, a vitalistic process, and then with that lens understanding food once you have your philosophy you don't fall for everything you'll understand carnival vegan paleo keto and where they stand in our history and which one is best for you instead of going oh this celebrity is doing vegan i should be doing vegan it's going to save the planet you'll actually understand the real narrative behind the vegan movement which um i have to tell you is dangerous i'm sorry but it is vegetarian okay vegan not um so you learn all of that stuff and and that's just in one module of 12 modules so i love my nutrition academy i love my students i love teaching them um it's just my greatest love and i'll probably like you said i don't know when i'll with this but it'll be in that new educating people i'll i'll do probably right into my 70s and then i might take time out for my grandbabies (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you're probably yeah you're probably doing even longer than that Cindy you've been wonderful I really respect you I think you're amazing I'm so glad that our mutual friend Kim introduced us thanks Kim yeah, Morrison you're epic uh, <laughs> and we'll just keep this momentum going I think uh, I have lots more to learn from you and I can't wait to go and grab that book thank you very much for your time today Cindy mm-hmm. 
That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends. And head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com. 